When you know your salvation, you sing. And I love that. I love that. I love that. And I got tons of grace for people, whether back or front, whatever it is. Because the idea is you, you, you come closer to the front as you go in Christ, not physically in the front row. I'm just talking closer to Jesus as you grow in him. And as you grow in him, you sing to him because it's a gift that God has given us to express ourselves of the reality of who he is and what he's, what he's done. Welcome back to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and we are so glad that you've joined us today. You've joined us for the end of our series, such a critical series, looking at the nature of the heart. We've been walking through Psalm 51 as David works through his repentance and finds not just a, a confession of sin, but also the cleansing from sin. And now we're into our final message in the series, which is entitled The Heart of Conviction. And we believe that this message, this series, in fact, is so critical for the heart. And if you find yourself in great agreement with that and you'd like to get a copy of today's message or in fact order the entire series, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit us online at liveinthelight.ca, that's CA, or you can phone us up at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-225-4448. All right, well before us, Psalm 51, a heart of conviction And here now is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. Is this something that is on your heart, Allah? And the question now becomes, if not, why not? If I don't have this burden and I don't have this passion, and if I don't think about this very often, if I'm walking around just thinking of self, why is that so? Well, we're learning here that one of the reasons could be that we're not experiencing genuine confession because when there's genuine confession, genuine cleansing, then the more we seek to be salt and light for the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, I like to say this, the Holy Spirit in us never says, shh, when it comes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit never goes, shh, don't talk about Jesus. Don't talk, we're a little ashamed today. Don't do that. He never, ever, ever does that. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness to say in the midst of the, maybe crazy times to actually stand up and to speak up for the savior that has saved us from sin and death and can save that person as well. So it's never the Holy Spirit telling us to shh. It must be something else. The most common sin does that to us. But you know what I love about this church? I love about so many of you. So many of you are being so used in so many ways in this category of a conviction to see others transformed. So many of you are a blessing and inspiration to me. And I just want to make sure you know how encouraged I am by this truth. I mean, there just are people after person after person after person is just seeking to love the neighbor, love the coworker, love the family member, love the friend, love the stranger. I mean, just that is so powerful. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Because the closer you get to the Lord, the more you desire to share about the awesome nature and beautiful salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. 
the conviction, Lord, the conviction to see others transformed. More, Lord, amen? More, Lord, more of that, Lord, because that's all that counts. It's all that counts when this life is done. It's Jesus Christ. A conviction to see others transformed. Secondly, this, here's the second conviction, a conviction to sing. That's right. When I am cleansed in heart, I find I have a conviction to sing. Look at verse 14. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. David here is once again seeking cleansing. But this time he's seeking cleansing for the murder of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. See that word blood guiltiness there? That word is referring to murder. It's referring to the blood that was on David's hands due to him sending out Uriah to die. But again, notice this, loved ones. Notice that David here in verse 14, notice he's not, doesn't have a, a, a casual plea here. He's not just kind of going through some kind of routine. He's not knocking off a to-do list and on to the next. I mean, David in verse 14, I mean, he's going through spiritual heart surgery. I mean, his chest is opened, his, his heart is out and he's allowing the scalpel of the Holy Spirit to come and to do his work. But David knows this. This is so beautiful. David knows if he's brought to life by God, then he won't be able to help but sing to God. If God delivers him from this yet again, and he calls out to the God of his salvation, David understands, loved ones, salvation leads to singing. To singing. Oh Lord, when you deliver me, my tongue will sing, David says. Oh Lord, when I know your salvation, my mouth will declare your praise, David says. Hey, you know that um, God really likes singing, right? You really know God really likes song and music. I mean, he created it for us to worship him. Um, just the songs in scripture. Think of the greatest songs in scripture. The song of Moses, the song of Deborah, the song of David and Chronicles after victory, the song of Asaph, the song of Jehoshaphat, the song of Mary. Paul used hymns within his letters as well. The song of Revelation. In fact, the entire book of Psalms is a book of songs. In total, there are 185 songs in the Bible. 185. And all the, all the specific songs I just mentioned, they all have to do with deliverance and salvation of our God. So here's the point. When you know you've been saved, you sing. You sing. Deliver me, O God, of my salvation and my tongue will sing aloud, David says. Aloud, aloud he will sing, it says. You ever notice the difference between a church that sings and a church that doesn't? You ever notice that? What's the difference? In almost all cases, ready? Conviction is the difference. In almost all cases, conviction is the difference. Maturity is the difference. Now, I'm not talking style of music. I could care less about that. I'm talking about the overflow of the heart singing to God about the salvation that he has given. Whatever style you want, go ahead. It's the idea though that our heart must sing when it is cleansed because we're responding to the reality that we have been set free by God in his grace. 
I'm telling you, you can measure the spiritual temperature through singing. You can, not in 100% of the time, but a lot of the time. And I love, I've been here 10 years now. I love watching people when they come into our church and either they're not saved at all and they walk in and I don't expect a dead person to act alive. Do you? I don't. But they come in and they're not, or the person comes in and for whatever reason, they're just very grumpy and um, they, just, they just don't have a lot going on for the Lord. And I guess they've been saved at some point, but there's just, they're, just, they're just not really fired up at any level. And they come in and they sit here and the songs are on the screen, but that's all they are. There's just words on the screen. And their lips might move a little bit. And, you know, I can't judge hearts, whatever, but you're just watching. But I know for a fact, I've talked to so many people of this over 10 years, but then you watch them and then God sets a spark and causes them to be alive in Jesus Christ. And boom, boom, the seed's planted and the tree starts to grow and the fruit starts to be seen. And quite often, no offense, people sit near the back, okay? But often they move from the back and they start going closer to the front because they just, they just need to be near where the action is. So they say, whatever, it's pretty funny. I like all that stuff, it's really good. But then all of a sudden you see that they start to, to move their lips and they, they, they start to have their heart operating and all of a sudden there's this joy in their eyes and expression from their mouths and salvation begins to be declared in a way that they never used to do before because their heart has been set on fire for the Lord and they can't help but sing. When you know your salvation, you sing. And I love that, I love that, I love that. And I got tons of grace for people, whether back or front, whatever it is, because the idea is you, you, you come closer to the front as you go in Christ, not physically in the front row. I'm just talking closer to Jesus as you grow in him. And as you grow in him, you sing to him because it's a gift that God has given us to express ourselves of the reality of who he is and what he's, what he's done. I love a church that sings. You know that about me. I love a church that sings because God loves a church that sings. Notice confession, cleansing, conviction, singing. And what happens? There are no longer words on a screen. There are words on their heart. And that's what causes them to lift it up from the Lord. Remember, loved ones, music is a glorious gift from God. And music was created by God as the ultimate vehicle to express our worship to him. Consider the power in music and song across our world. I mean, just whether good or bad, just, just, just consider, you know, nations write their laws and songs. The power and the influence that is there Song and music is so powerful because again, it's under God's design. Remember this too. There's no preaching in heaven, but there's a lot of singing. So let's practice, huh? Let's practice ahead of time as men and women who will be singing praises to the Lord forever and ever and ever. The heart of conviction, the heart is that sings, a heart of conviction, also this. Number three, a conviction of, of brokenness a conviction of brokenness. So when my heart is cleansed, there's a process that occurs there and I start to learn some very important things about life. God's word is so awesome. Right in our text, the conviction to teach, the conviction to sing, and now the wholehearted conviction of brokenness. So what David is about to do here, he recognizes the fruit that can be seen without will only be seen if brokenness is seen within. No real fruit will be seen without in my life, unless brokenness is seen within my life. 
Do you see what David has done in verses 16 and 17? He goes right back to the heart. See, he goes back to what matters most where life is lived. Verse, look at verse 16. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. Why? Because here's why. Because the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrary heart. Notice this, this is massive. Oh God, you will not despise. Verse 16, David stating that he could sacrifice animals to his heart's content. He could seek ritual until he was exhausted to seek God's forgiveness, but it wouldn't work. Notice in verse 16, he says, this is not what God delights in. This is not what pleases God. David's telling us here, God's not into external religious behavior. God wants your heart. He wants your broken heart. Notice too, David says in verse 16, if you wanted the external religious stuff, I'd give it to you. I'd give it, he says. But you don't want ritual. You want the heart. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15. Notice what he says to the Pharisees. This is very important. He says, you hypocrites. Because they were all about the external. They had nothing going on inside. He says, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart. What does Jesus care about the heart? What does God care about the heart? They honor me with lips. So they got the stuff going on on the outside. They, they, can, they can say the right words. They can sing the songs. But the reality is their heart is far from him because in vain, in vain do they worship me. Let's be afraid of this, eh? Teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men. See, their traditions were so much in what they wanted to say as opposed to what God said. Therefore, their heart is distant, but they're saying stuff, but it's not having any real meaning towards the Lord or their lives. This takes us to one of my all-time favorite verses, verse 17. Psalm 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. This God you will not despise. Right here in this verse, we find answers to some of our most important questions. Ready? Who does God use? Who does God fill? Who does God heal? Who does God hear? He uses the broken. He fills the broken. He heals the broken. He hears the broken. A broken and contrite heart you will not despise. The sacrifices of a broken heart, ready, are irresistible to the Father. That's amazing. The sacrifices of a broken and contrite spirit and heart are irresistible to the Father. So time out, time out, time out. Because that, if that's true, we need to stop for a second. If you want to save yourself a lot of unnecessary trouble and trial in life, then write this on your heart. Become 100% convinced that verse 17 is true. You got to do that. I mean, you're looking at the same Bible I am. Look at verse 17 and be convinced in your heart and mind right now that verse 17 is true. It's always true. Now, do you know how much I think about this truth? I think about this truth dozens of times a day. A day. All the time, I think about the truth of verse 17 because I am resolved to believe that when God says he opposes the proud, he means what he says. I'm also resolved to believe that when God says he gives grace to the humble, that he means that as well. So let me put it this way. When we are proud or have a hard heart, the score in life is God infinity and us zero. But when we are convinced of brokenness, 
that's when we see that God is on our very team and that we cannot lose because he gives grace to the humble. Now, let me be very clear again. Get right theology here. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we understand that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. We're not talking about God's love being conditional, whether or not we're proud or humble. What we're talking about is God's power being able to flow through us, through his Holy Spirit, but we quench his spirit by pride in our lives. But God fills and uses the broken person. Here's the broken person, blesses the broken heart. That's what we're saying. It's not a matter of him loving you less or more. That's impossible to change. It's a matter of why don't I see God working in my life the way I think I should? because he uses the broken heart. He rushes to the broken heart. The broken heart versus the hard heart. The broken heart responds to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and turns from self to God. The broken heart demonstrates a change of heart, how they think, how they speak, how they act. That's the broken heart. The hard heart becomes the antithesis of the broken heart. The hard heart, listen, is self-centered, self-made and self-righteous. That's the hard heart. The hard heart refuses to humble themselves. They refuse to repent. And therefore they force God to strip them of self, which can be very painful. I've heard it said before that God's plan A is humility and God's plan B is humiliation. I'm trying so hard to choose humility. I don't always do it. I'm just, I, just, I just believe it with everything I got. I say about humility, it comes to humility. I stink at it. I believe in it though. I believe in it. And I advise you to believe in it too. You will save yourself a lot of unnecessary pain in this life. Life is hard enough as it is. And trials will come guaranteed. Let's not heat them up on ourselves by refusing to believe the truth that God has so clearly said. He opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. The broken heart chooses humility, chooses to repent. The hard heart just gets harder. You know, the fundamental difference between a broken heart and a hard heart is this. It's how they respond when they're confronted with their sin. The single fastest way to find out if your hard heart, if your heart is hard or, or soft, hard or broken, is how do you respond when you're confronted with your sin? Do you fight back like a snake coiled up ready to attack? How dare you say it to me? Or are you humble enough to stop? For me, this doesn't happen in the first few seconds. But I pray, give me some time and some hours sometimes a day or two, but to say, was that true, Lord? Is that sin in my life? And often gently he will whisper, it is, Robbie. It is in your life. But I love you and I'm gonna forgive you if you ask me to and I will use you again. So what you do in that moment, you say, I believe in humility. I believe it. I believe it's right, so I choose to do it. If you choose pride, you choose to lose. If you choose to refuse to admit what you know deep down is true, you choose to lose. I'm just trying to choose to win. I'm just trying to choose to win. And a cleansed heart carries the utter conviction. See David here, David, again, no excuses, no blaming, nothing but you're right, God. You're right, you're right, you're right. The sacrifices you want are not a heart that's giving excuses. The sacrifice you want is a heart that's broken before you and trusting you for the results. A cleansed heart, a conviction for transformation, a conviction to sing, a conviction of brokenness, 
And fourthly, here's the fourth conviction and the last conviction. Ready? If your heart is cleansed, loved ones, you have a conviction for the kingdom. A conviction for the kingdom. One of the great signs that God is truly at work in your life is that you care less and less about self. And you care more and more about the Lord and his kingdom. So do a quick survey of your heart right now. Is your heart self-indulgent? Or is it self-denying? Is your heart more about your kingdom? Or is it about God's kingdom? Look at your schedule. Is your schedule filled with you? Look at your spending. Is your spending filled with you? Look at your serving. Is your serving filled with you? Just serving self? Or is your schedule spending serving? Those three things will pretty much tell us all we need to know where your heart's really at. Is it filled with him? Him. Is there a desire to see him? And then when it's about him, then it becomes about others, you see? Because when you're focused on his kingdom, then you're focused on his kingdom. Check out David's heart, verse 18. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. This is beautiful. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. And what David says, do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Now think about it. These verses conclude the Psalm, not by accident. You could read verse 18, 19 and go, what's that there for? It's there for a reason. After the confession, cleansing and conviction, it ends with a heart for the kingdom of God. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure, God, build up the walls of Jerusalem. Now, I don't believe David is literally saying here, build the walls. I believe David is metaphorically saying here, build up the walls. Why? Because the city walls were the symbol of strength and Jerusalem or Zion was God's city. So David's sin had hurt the city. He knows that, he was king. His sin in some form affected everyone. It had weakened God's people all because of his sin. But David knows this. David knows the heart of the city will be found in the heart of the people when they are found as a heart after God. The heart of the city is the heart of the people after the heart of God. That's why in verse 19, when the walls are strengthened, then the worship is right. Then you will delight in right sacrifices because when the heart is right, worship is right. So God, if you get the worship of the heart in the right place, the worship of your people will be right as well. So David's prayer is, oh God, no longer allow my sin to hurt your people. God, please spare your people, build up your walls, grow your kingdom. Now I'm in, I'm in awe of how the Holy Spirit ends this. I've, I've never seen this part before in this way. It's such a word for us here right now too. Loved ones, understand this. Your sin always hurts more than just yourself. Your sin will always hurt people beyond yourself. You think you can sin and keep it contained to you? That's a lie. It's always a lie. Our sin damages, so to speak, the walls of Jerusalem. Our sin damages the walls of our lives. Our sin damages the walls of our home. And our sin damages the walls of his church. But listen, a cleansed heart cries out. A cleansed heart filled with conviction cries out, oh God, build the walls of your kingdom again. 
build the walls of your kingdom. Listen, through my life. Do you see David's conviction here? He knows what God can do. He knows what God can do. No wonder Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you, but seek first the kingdom of God filled with conviction. And right here in this phrase, build the walls of Jerusalem. I have a specific word for men here. It's a word for all of us. But my heart was led by the Lord this week to speak specifically to the men here today. Listen, as men who are to be leading their families. Men, our actions will determine the walls that are set up around our home, our families, and that impact our church. Our actions will determine the walls that are placed around our families. For some of us, the walls of our home are weakened. For some of us, the walls have been damaged badly, if not crumbling, and there's much pain and hurt. Because in our sin, we have hurt people we love. But listen, 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 listen. Listen for the grace of God right here. Here's the grace of God right through David's life that I pray flows into our lives is too. The heart that confesses is the heart that's cleansed. It's the heart that now grows in the conviction for the kingdom of God through your life. And when you grow with the conviction of the kingdom of God in your life, it impacts your life, it impacts your marriage, it impacts your home, and it impacts your family, impacts your church. That's what God wants to do. And if you think God's done with you because of the failure again in the past, think again. This is the point of the gospel. This is the point of the grace of God. He loves you so much that no matter what has happened and how small and beaten down your walls seem to be, today is a new day. Today is a day by the victory that's only found in Jesus Christ that you can rise again to your feet as God lifts you up and builds you up and loves you up and graces you up. And he says, it is not over. I will be seen through your life. I'll be seen through your marriage. I'll be seen through your kids. I'll be seen through your church. Man, if you will trust in me, God says, this is a new day and I will build up the walls of Jerusalem because I'm a God who's so good and so loving and so awesome and so gracious. If you will run to me, you will find a God who hugs you and never lets you go. The grace available, no matter what has happened in the past, the walls can be rebuilt today. That is awesome. And that is the gospel. That's the gospel. You're like, I can't do it. You're right, you can't. I can't do it either. The only way this happens in my life is Jesus in me. That's why he died and that's why he was raised because I can't do it, but Jesus can. And Jesus is in me. And so if I humble myself before him and I confess and I'm cleansed and I have conviction, then faith, rises up in me and says, you can make me a man my wife admires, my children follow, and I will speak the truth and love my family and be an impact on my church and community in a way that you designed me to be only by your grace. Oh God, would you do that in my life? Think of the power. Think of the opportunity. Just imagine we did that. Men and women, imagine if we did that. But this is what God says to us in Psalm 51. Where there's confession, there's cleansing. 
and where there's cleansing, there's conviction. Conviction for the kingdom of God. And he'll do such great things. Well, certainly with a message like we have heard today from God's Word, there's bound to be some good, solid conviction. But with conviction, we hope that you also see the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ available to you today for those of you who would turn from your sin and find Jesus Christ and his forgiveness again today. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We recognize that here at Live in the Light. And listen, if God's been changing you and growing you or even challenging you particularly today, and you'd like a copy of today's message to let that soak a little more, we'd encourage you to visit us online at liveinthelight.ca, liveinthelight.ca. And hey, while you're there, why not drop a comment and let us know how we can be praying for you. That's liveinthelight.ca. Or you can visit us through our phone number at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-22-54448. Well, that's all for today here at Live in the Light. We hope to see you next time. And God bless. I wanna be-